All right, where the nog is tropical and the booze news is occasionally topical. Welcome back to the holiday Christmas edition of Liquid Gold right here on WeOwnThisTown.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today. I always love talking eggnog, holiday drinks, whiskey cream. You can go back and we're going to post on our Instagram, which is at liquidgold underscore pod. We're going to post some of our older holiday episodes where you can find recipes for whiskey cream, eggnog, actually a bunch of different eggnogs that we've done. And last year for our Christmas episode, we talked about the eggnog riots of, I believe, 1824. And that's a fun story. But today we are talking about the Puerto Rican because when I uh, when I talked to Shamil, our guest for today, I didn't really roll my R's very well. In Puerto Rico, how's that, Shamil? You let me know. You text me. They drink coquito, as well as pitorro, tears of the mountain. So we're gonna get into some amazing Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican drinking traditions and the mysteries and secrets of the coconut cousin to eggnog, coquito. Been seeing a lot more people making coquito this year here in the states. Could it be because Puerto Rico is soon to potentially become the 51st state? That's something you're going to hear a lot about over the next few years, I think. I think it's possible to happen over the next three or four years. And that was my one regret from the interview with Shamil, Shamil Velasquez. The executive chef at Delaney Oyster House in Charleston works with our cocktail correspondent pairing professional, Jessica Backus. And Shamil, I was sorry that I didn't ask him during the interview. We talked about it off mic about Puerto Rico becoming the 51st state. And I just kind of mentioned, is that something that your parents, you know, would, would, would love to see? Is it something your family would love to see? And he mentioned how his dad has had a necklace for as long as he's known around his neck with the numbers 51 on them, if that tells you anything. So that's pretty cool. Um, I would love to see it happen. Our neighbors could could really become our neighbors, but uh, they have an amazing food and drink culture there. And Shamil is uh, showcasing some of those talents, ideas uh, in his menu at Delaney. So a really enlightening talk with him. Amazing dude. And then after that, we've got Jessica Backus, and we're talking, what exactly does Christmas taste like? What does Christmas taste like? Everybody says, whoa, that tastes like Christmas. Wow, this is great. It tastes like Christmas. Is it pine? Is it spice? Is it cinnamon? It's all those things, but we've got some really cool Christmas-type uh, spirits, spirits that work really well in uh, Christmas-type beverages. So we're going to talk about that. We've got some recipes. She has a dairy-free Coquito a recipe that you could make at home if you're dairy-free. We've got some different techniques throughout the episode for doing Coquito. And then uh, we finish it all up with, of course, the man, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, has some very interesting booze news today. Can the Russians keep themselves from drinking for 40 days to get the COVID vaccine? We talk a little bit about that. We kind of doubt it, but uh, I don't want to be a hater or anything. Anyway... I'll mention you can always email us at liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. And let's turn things over to the interview with Shamil Velasquez talking Coquito and other traditions of Puerto Rico coming right up. All right, we're here right before Christmas, and we've got a very special guest on the line tonight. He is the executive chef at Delaney Oyster House, one of Kenneth and I's favorite spots in Charleston. It was our last I don't know if you know this, Shamil, but that it was Kenneth and I's last taste of normalcy and like dining out and it was a big party from pre-COVID days. But anyway, Shamil Velasquez. Shamil, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there, man. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to y'all as well. Oh, it's great to have you. So Kenneth and I really enjoyed your food. We had a few just incredible meals can you t- tell me a little bit about the influences that you're bringing in there? Because you've got this Puerto Rican background that we're going to talk about. We're talking Coquito today here on the show. and uh, But you're bringing a lot of flavor to that low country seafood cuisine. And it's just an incredible mix. So tell me about some of your influences and what you're bringing to the table over there. 
So I think as, as many chefs in around the world, everybody has experiences growing up and it definitely influences a lot in your cooking and your everyday life. And when I decided to move to South Carolina, I was really impacted by how many how many similarities there are between Latin cuisine and specifically in the down south in, in Charleston. Um, obviously, because of the slave trade in Puerto Rico, there was also a big slave trade as well. And that alone itself represented a lot of different foods that I was just like, whoa, like, we, we do this too. I mean, I'll give you an example. The South does Hoppin' John's. We do rice and beans in a way. Or rice and pigeon peas, for example. And then oh, sure. It's very, very, very sim- a lot of similarities with different flavor combinations here and there. And I was just like, whoa, it'd be really cool just to kind of like mesh this up and see how it works. And it's, it's really been really fun to just uh, see it. And, and, and that definitely the guests have really enjoyed it. And it helps me out. It helps my, my team out. By actually, you know, just me being able to transfer that to the food. It, it, it's really enjoyable and really fun, and it comes out really tasty, so it's really exciting. People who are eating there are just kind of happy, it seems like. That was my experience. <laughs> and that's, that's one thing that, that here in the GM and I try to keep positive vibes only, for sure. So positivity is, is a big thing in the kitchen, and within the guests, we try to get that there. So positive uh, positive cooks uh, put, cook positive food, I would say, so. How did you make it from Puerto Rico, where you grew up, to Charleston? How did you make that? How was that journey for you? It's, a, it's been a long one. I'll tell you that. I didn't start in South Carolina. I moved from uh, Puerto Rico. I had dream, uh, had the, the aspiration to go uh, learn at the Culinary Institute of America. I got my bachelor's degree there. And from there, I did some time in D.C. Uh, and then I moved to Napa Valley. Uh, oh, wow. did some time in, in Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, after doing my time in Napa, I was like, man, I... It's kind of hard to have that flight back home from California to Puerto Rico. I'm just, I feel like so far away from everything I know. Uh, so my fiance and I decided just to, you know what? We have some family in South Carolina. Uh, let's move there. And, and when I came down here, I was just like, I, I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't even know where the state was. That's how how bad I am with the, the U.S. itself. But I came down here and when I got, I actually landed in Greenville first. I remember talking to the company when where I opened up um, Huss Greenville. So I went into Huss. That that's that was my only thing I told her. I was like, listen, if I'm going to move to South Carolina, I'm going to work at Huss. That's, that's the top dog name. That's that's where I'm going to work at, period. Nothing else. So the company offered me to go um, work and be part of the opening team, part of the sous chef team at um, Huss Greenville. And that alone blew my mind. That's when I was just like, whoa, like, look, look, at all this, look at all this food and how – how similar it is, like I was explaining earlier. So that's a little bit of a round trip to, to get here now. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you went full circle. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, tell me about some of the, the Christmas traditions in Puerto Rico. I know that the Christmas Eve is a big deal. And a lot of times there's like pig roasts that go into the night and the next day. But what can oh, yeah. you recall as some of your uh, some Christmas traditions that, that – for Navidad there in Puerto Rico. So I'll say this in there. If, if there's any better time in Puerto Rico to visit Puerto Rico, it's Christmas, I would say. Oh, cool. And a lot, a lot of people like to go during the summertime because of the beach and everything. And I would just say there's something in the air during Christmas in Puerto Rico that, that, that everybody, you know, just is so happy, so humbling. So everybody just wants to share what they have with you. And it's so opening. Unfortunately, I don't know how it is right now because the situation that we're going through, but it is definitely that time of the year that is just, wow. I would say food left and right, drinks left and right. And everybody's just like, hey, I have this to give and much more. Just come inside sort of attitude. And and that's really humbling. It is, it is great. So some, some of the traditions that I would say that stand out in my head right off the rip is definitely a lechon. Having the, the local pork, like you said, being roasted over leña, which is our type of uh, charcoal wood that, that we have on the island. Mm. Um, we definitely don't go low and slow in a way. We Usually we go for skin. That's, that's our main goal there. Get okay. that, that crunchy, crackling, golden skin and... Uh-huh. and we usually marinate the pork with like garlic, oregano, uh, salt, and black pepper, uh-huh. and uh, that itself just get marinated, and then the pig goes over the leña, and little by little, till you get that beautiful, mild reaction on that skin, and it's just wow. 
Um, That's amazing. But obviously, if you have that beautiful pork, you got to bring it down with something. So, yeah. for beverages themselves, I would have to say that we, we're definitely a beer drinking type of island, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to drink our local beer called Medalla. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiny little cans you can find some sometimes for like a buck around the island. Uh, but we drink that usually while you're roasting the pork. But also within that, there's a couple other drinks that we have. Uh, one is Coquito, like you said. Yeah. And another one is called Pitorro. Um, so those, those are some of the things that that I look forward to, at least that camaraderie of sharing drinks and, hey, here, have a little piece of the skin. Oh, here, have a little piece of the tripe, you know. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah, grilling and chilling, drinking a bunch of beer. Absolutely. That sounds yeah. that sounds incredible around Christmas. So we mentioned Coquito. What was the other other one? Pitorro. Pitorro. Tell me about yes. Pitorro. So Pitorro. Pitorro is um, something from the mountains. Actually, the second name to it is called Lagrimas del Monte, Tears of the Mountain. Yes. Um, so this is very, very, very special to me. Uh, I think every family has one. Uh, it's pretty much, I think, the best way I can put it is uh, moonshine, if you will, uh, uh-huh. done uh, in the streets, if you will, in the mountains, um, made from sugarcane. And it is illegal in the island because of the high proof that it has. Mm-hmm. Saying that they usually you can find it from the people that sell it. They sell it out of their trunks or whatever. It's very it's very hidden in a way, but yeah. every everybody knows that it happens, but everybody kinda looks the other way in a way. Sure. It's just such a part of the tradition for us and usually you see them starting to come out in November. So I think every family usually has a guy or two, you know, uh-huh. or some families themselves uh, make it. I know my grandfather made one around 20 years ago, I would say, and I still have a flask of it. Oh, wow. Um, that, that is in my personal possession here in the States. No comment on how I got that here, but the point is... Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, that was actually my Christmas gift uh, last year. Uh, it was pretty pretty heartwarming for me to get that, but the point is... Oh, that's great. So I'll give you an example. My grandfather has his, and, and, and there's different flavors you can do. There's anything from co- uh, from coconut to passion fruit. You can make the classic one, which usually involves raisins and cinnamon and different spices like that. My personal favorite is the coconut one. I think in my family right now, there's one that's around five years old that they started not so long ago. And then the one my grandfather did was with the raisins and currants and cinnamon sticks in there and other spices. So pretty much they give you, let's say, the the person who makes it. Uh, gives you the clear liquid and then you infuse it mm-hmm. and then pretty much uh there are some families that bury it in their backyard and take it out every year okay yeah earth age yeah yeah and yeah. then other families just put it in the in the cabinet and just forget about it mm-hmm. and then come thanksgiving or pretty much any celebration they take it out and you pretty much get the little screw cap of the top of the rum bottom be like here share and you just take a shot and three shots will do you for sure uh-huh that's that stuff is uh, no joke. I um, bet. But it is it is definitely, it's not hard, though. That's that's the, that's the thing. At least the one that my grandfather, that I have some in my position, he, he, it's, it's almost like a brand. It's very, very, very smooth. Mm. But it is strong, and they're unfiltered, and it's just delicious. And it's just, every. I think every party you go to, every house has one. And you're like, hey, what flavor do you have? Hey, what do you have? And once you start taking shots, and the music is going, and the food, uh it's a a party and a half i'll tell you that it's it's definitely fun more seen in christmas for sure that's amazing yeah y'all know how to do it right i need to i need to do christmas in puerto rico um absolutely and coquito is a big thing in your family can you tell me so we know coquito to be coconut milk coconut cream um condensed milk a lot of times what what else um it's the it's the coquito it's the uh, coconut cousin to to eggnog that we're we're more familiar with here in the states. But people are really getting interested, and more people are making coquito here in the states. It seems like. Yeah. So, to me, to me, coquito. This one's more on my on my mother's side, and like I said, it's one of those drinks again that you see people starting selling in November, right around Thanksgiving. Um, but coquito itself is something that I grew up that my mother making as a gift to a lot of people or she would make it for the whole family and every every person my aunt would get a bottle my grandma would get a bottle and everybody would have a bottle depending on the party or the house we go to there's a bottle available so 
the coquito itself is pretty much uh, like you said, evaporated milk, sweet condensed milk, coconut cream, coconut milk, and then we make a tea, if you will, uh-huh. on the side that has uh, cloves, cinnamon, allspice sometimes, and then my mother personally likes to add a little hint of ginger for spiciness, uh-huh. and pretty much you steep that um, and you mix that liquid with the um, with the dairy itself. And then you take equal parts of that to a white rum or brown rum, either or. My mom' choice is Donku, uh, which mm. is the local rum. Yeah. And pretty okay. much once you have all that together, you pretty much let it sit. And then the trick is you always got, I mean, I grew up having a little bottle on the side because obviously mine couldn't have alcohol. But when you're a kid, you're you're still drinking it without the rum. Uh huh. They put, they put you on it when you're very young. For oh, sure. cool. Okay, yeah. Yeah. They're like, you need to like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they <laughs> call it um, uh, beer hang, a virgin one for sure. So okay. They usually give you a little bottle for the kids, and that's that. That's great. Well, yeah, I, and it seems like it's more common in Puerto Rico to be made with the with the white rum, the silver don Q, whatever you want to call it. Um. So that seems to be a, one of the defining characteristics as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some people that also add the, the, the raw pitorro in there, too. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that sounds like a really good mashup if you had a, a spirit that was aging, you know, or infusing for years, and then you added oh, a little yeah. bit of that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I know. I mean, I could only think is my, like I said, my family right now, my brother, he has a coconut one, and um, and I'm sure that would be delicious in there. That's strong as all hell, but uh, shit, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. Well, I want to come. I want to come uh, taste your family's coquito when the when the oh, pandemic's over. Please do. We actually funny you say that because last year we missed the mark just because we were opening up, and I did, it didn't even really click. I think it's taken me a while to come out of the. Of the shelf to put on like Puerto Re- a lot of Puerto Rican flair in the menu itself. I think I was better holding myself back, but sure. I think the guests the guests have liked it a lot, so we definitely be coming out with a lot more. And we put coquito on the menu this year. And um, Jessica Bagus, um, she's been I think on the podcast before as well. But oh yeah, I pretty much presented. My recipe that I have it in my notes on my phone because every year I got to call my mom. I was like, hey, mom, how do you do this again? She's like, two of these, one of these, and one of these, and then a hint of that. And I'm like, great, I'm going to write it out. So I actually had the recipe on my notes, and I was like, hey, this is what I put in it. This is what my mother puts it in, and it comes out every time. I don't have measurements, uh-huh. um, but I just know how it comes out. <laughs> sure. She literally started doing it, and then we started playing with the flavor. I was like, it's good, but your texture's off. You know, it has to have a little thicker texture, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Or it needs a little hint. It has to have a little kick in the back of the throat with the ginger. Or, or And then we she started bringing in different liqueurs and different uh, items that I was just a little skeptic about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, then, uh, and I was just like, no, that works. And then... I ended up adding a little bit of Angostura bitters, and I was like, holy shit, this is life. Like, that's awesome. Like, that works. So it was it, it was pretty fun, me being able to give her my recipe and Kevin and King, and, and they take the recipe and just, like, flip it around and just, wow. Oh, that's great. And a lot of family recipes are like that, especially around the holidays. There's recipes that uh, people struggle to get right because – it was like, well, you just got to watch me make it, you know, that kind of thing where your grandma's saying, well, I can't really tell you exactly how I made it. Oh, yeah. Um, everything with them. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned texture. Where, where, um, what was it lacking when it needed texture? Where do, where, where do you get that texture from? Would you say? The sweet, the sweet condensed milk. Okay. Yeah. And the coconut cream. The, some, I see it depends because. Uh, back home, we put everything over ice. I put my milk and orange juice over ice, as weird as that sound, but mm-hmm. it's just so hot over there that we just put everything on ice. It's sure. simple. Um, yeah. So, coquito, traditionally, I drink it with ice. A lot of families don't. Uh, oh. I think it's I think it's just my personal preference that I like it with ice, and to me, that texture was missing. So, when you add the ice, it starts to dilute a little bit with the water and whatnot, so they're actually keeping it uh, really cold, really cold, and then they put it on a frozen coop. Um, on it and then grate a little bit of cinnamon on there, but I think it was just more 
the texture of the coconut cream and the evaporated uh, sweet condensed milk together, I would say. Yeah, and you mentioned um, Angostura is, and I would imagine Angostura would, would mimic some of those spices that you use. Um, yes. is Ang- but is Angostura like prevalent or, or something that you see used a lot in Puerto Rico? I'll be honest. Um, now the scene has definitely come up with the more craft cocktail. Yeah. Um, my type of bar in Puerto Rico, um, I pay two, three bucks for maximum for home squeeze orange juice or pineapple juice or acerola, which is like a tartare we have or guava, like any of those tropical fruits that you think that's, uh, Freshly there, and then rum, and that's it. Like, there's not really like mixing involved. Sure. <laughs> like, it's just bars over there. My, at least the bars I grew up going to, they're so simple mm-hmm. that they just have beer and whatever's on the well, which is pretty much the same always, and mix one and the other and call it a day. There's nobody shaking drinks. Yeah. Usually, you stick your finger in it and shake it yourself, and <laughs> you get the, you get the thin red straw, and you just drink away and they're so cheap but they're so good that way but i think recently in the, the i would say in the last five years there's there are probably more than that because I, I i was never paying attention to it to be honest mm-hmm. uh, i was just i was like my tower bar but recently i've been to puerto rico a couple times and i go out and like if i was going out in downtown charleston or anywhere else i'd live that and and go out to eat the way i do out here and i'm like holy shit like that's that's pretty awesome. They're doing different drinks with like culantro and different simple syrups and definitely using a lot of great different rums like rum barrilito, which is another great rum. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I, I actually found a bottle here. I was doing a, um, an event at Palmetto Bluff and one of the guys owned the liquor shop there and he took me in the middle of the day. He's like, oh, I got to show you my liquor shop. We just hit it off and he showed me he had a bottle of rum barrilito and I freaked out. I was like, oh my God. I'm buying this tonight, and it's so good. Yeah, I love that rum, and there are there's a there's a little fan base for it here in Nashville. I would say. Is it really? Um, there's. It's actually from my hometown, Puerto Rico, Miami. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a great rum. Oh, it's fantastic. I actually just plain. I don't. I don't really drink rum plain, like mm-hmm. uh, meat or anything like that. I, I'm not a big guy like that. Usually, like a mixing, but. The first time I had that one, I had those strong vanilla notes right off the rip. I was just like, this is good. Like, this is real good. I just grew up on Donku. That's like, that's the, the, the childhood rum and the one I still drink today with a little bit of Coca-Cola and a lime. Yeah, Donku is solid. What we, when I was a chopper, what we really liked about, um, which was the Tiki Bar open la- about a year and a half ago here in Nashville. If you, if, if we were making, cocktails tiki drinks that had like a lot of different flavors spice the ron barilito it really held up to all those big flavors and it just had so much flavor nothing could really you know move it out of the way so to speak you know one one rum that i uh when i got to charleston and i started hanging out with kevin king and he's like showing me all the different techniques that he uses and he's just blowing my mind with probably like the simplest things in, in, in the bartender world, I think I had the one drink that he blew my mind with, and still to this day, like, wow. It's as simple as it sounds, a daiquiri. Oh, um, yeah. With uh, plantation pineapple. Oh, yeah. And I, I didn't know what that was, and I got my mind like, whoa. Like, if they're not drinking this back home, they're doing it wrong, because, like, the population over there would kill over this. Like, it is so good. So good, and that rum itself. Like I remember, he showed it to me. And I was like, the next day, I went out. I bought a shaker. I bought Angostura bitters. I bought. I bought the kit. You know. I bought, oh wow! Oh, this, this is mine. Like this is my <laughs> new drink. Yeah. I was, all excited. I was like texting him pictures and whatnot. But the plantation pineapple. Wow, that's that's a good one too. I would say for sure. That's a great one. They need to do Ron Barilito pineapple. That that would be killer because you know the pineapple back home is there's a lot of pineapple that grows back home and it's very different from the one in the state. I would, I would say it's a lot more tart, a lot more acidic. Mm. Uh, and they're definitely on the smaller side. There's bigger ones, but like nice and tart. But then you also have your sweetness once they ripe up really good and juicy. Oh, they're so good. We actually we use the rinds to make hot sauce back home with it. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> oh yeah, good stuff. Do you do you make tapache in uh, in Puerto Rico? The kind of fermented pineapple skin beverage. 
We have something similar. Uh -huh. um, I would say it's hot sauce. Hot sauce is done the same way. Okay, uh, okay, because, yeah. yeah um, I remember Jessica Backus was making tepache in, in the restaurant for a drink um, that we had the, uh, one of our opening drinks. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. We make hot sauce in such a similar way. We just ferment it longer. So yes and no, but definitely definitely not. I think the, the pineapple runs are only used for that specifically. So that probably gives a little tropical hit to it, I would imagine. Yeah, we we do have a we do have a. I think all bars back home have what we call chicharito. Chicharito means like a little. Um, I don't even know about like a curse in here, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it means a little fucked up, if you will. Okay. A little, a little, a little hit, a little nip. So this, uh, we pretty much they, they have them all flavors, and they're usually at a dollar at all the bars. I think every bar makes their own mix, and it's usually like a mix of anise-type liquor that they make, and they mix in the fruit with it, whether it's pineapple juice or uh, passion fruit or the guava, etc. And then they have like a list with like all these, and oh, you gotta try this one. Oh, everybody gets a shot. Boom. Oh wow! So, it's definitely a very uh, alcohol-friendly community in Puerto Rico, for sure. It sounds like a party. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's 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 not even like everybody gets. It's more of a, of a, it's a vibe. Together, get, yeah, getting together and having a couple of drinks and having some laughs and a good time, a couple of dances, and then to all that, boom, all the food behind it. It's all about sharing, and I think that's that's the most important part of all our drinks and all our food. It's family, and being humble and then just sharing what you have and what you know with your neighbor, if you will. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. That sounds amazing. So, are you missing your uh, your family this year, not being able to head out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's been it's been many many years that I haven't spent the Christmas in Puerto Rico for sure. Yeah. Um, just usually because obviously that's that's the busiest time for the industry for us, and 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 it is it's hard for me to be able to, to leave and, and go that way. So usually I take my trips around February uh, for my birthday, and then I go and say hi to everybody. But yeah, I mean. This year, last I went exactly last February, mm -hmm. right before the pandemic hit, like right before, mm. I would say. So it was, it was kind of good. I got to see everybody. Well, that's good, man. I know, I know. I'm sure they're super proud of you and all the amazing food you're doing at Delaney. Looking forward to to finishing off the year with a bang and moving forward with a lot of optimism and a lot of positivity, making sure hopefully that our industry keeps going up and up. Well, uh, congrats to you for uh, making it through this year and and heading into the holidays. Um, I hope you get to enjoy some coquito on uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas. Yes, I will. Is Jess gonna let you walk out walk out of the bar, sneak out of the bar with a little bit, or what? Well, she don't know, don't hurt her. That's all. I'm <laughs> no, never. never. <laughs> I'll actually be making some here. Uh, Probably um, in the next two days or so, so it sits overnight, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, there's a good little secret. Make sure you make it the day before. Let it let the f flavors meld oh, overnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah and throw, don't forget the ginger. That's my mom's secret right there. I and love that. Little, little tiny piece, a tiny little piece of ginger. It adds a little <clears throat> in the back of the throat, you know? Yeah, that's great. That makes a ton of sense with the spices. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate you having me on this. Thank you. Shamil Velasquez, the executive chef at Delaney Oyster House in Charleston. You will not be disappointed when you go to see him and the crew. Um, Shamil, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. Loved hearing from Shamil. And if you get a chance to head down to Charleston, his food is just incredible. And we know uh, Jess, Jessica Backus. We know you're in good hands with her for beverages, and uh, let's get her on the line now. All right, it's the holiday edition of Liquid Gold, Christmas edition, Coquito edition. We've got our uh, cocktail correspondent, pairing professional, Miss Jessica Backus on the line. Jess, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Good evening. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part of this once again. Hey, love to have you along as always. Um so I just got off the phone just a little bit ago with your executive chef at Delaney Oyster House, uh, Mr. Shamil Velasquez. Velasquez. Amazing dude. Yeah. And he has shared with us some of the uh, family secrets of Coquito. 
ginger being one of the, the key ingredients in his family's um, secret coquito recipe, or not necessarily secret. He's like, we just we don't write things down. Yeah, and he I makes think that it sound like a in secret so many to cultures. me too. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's they don't write it down, but that's that's true bartender style, though, right? They're definitely. Like, oh, this definitely. drink was so amazing. Can you make me another one? You're like, eh, kinda. <laughs> right? It's like, hey, it was magic then. It was, it was jazz. It's not. It's not gonna happen the same ever again. <laughs> But you have been putting, you put Coquito on the menu there for the holidays, and it's been it's been working out for you guys? It's been popular? It's been great. It's really interesting because, you know, from the get-go with the restaurant, you know, there's tons of oyster places in Charleston, and, you know, the, the goal really was to set apart the hospitality and the way we do things and just the little touches with labeling the oysters and putting the mignonette in a spritz bottle. But really what's been magical about it is Shamil intertwining his culture into the food and Uh really having this um, sort of cross section of all these different kind of cuisines coming together with the focus of just really fresh seafood. And it's been awesome because when we talk to guests about the recipes or the dishes and, you know, where the inspiration comes from and his family and all these things that he interjects into the menu, it's not only really exciting for people to hear, but then when they taste it and they translate it, it really kind of brings people all into the experience that much more. And so it's been really fun during this holiday season because, like you said, his family has so many cool traditions that surround the Christmas holidays and the New Year holiday. And so we kind of did sort of a double whammy and he is making his grandmother's flan, his abuela's flan. Um, and as a little bit of a pairing for it, we're doing the coquito um, and You know, we kind of did Delaney style where we took his family's recipe and just put kind of like a tiny little twist of our own on it just to kind of bring it to the next level of the cocktail culture. And so so it's been really, really fun and people really dig it. And, you know, everybody, I think, loves holiday drinks and holiday cocktails. And so we're offering it in a little nip or a large style so you can have a minimal commitment if you want because people are a little bit I think put off by the idea of real creamy heavy things but that's the beauty of the coquito is it's like a really light refreshing island version of those sort of creamy you know Christmassy cocktails that people think of in general yeah no eggs in the coquito right no eggs yeah no eggs in the coquito and we've we've talked a little bit over the course of this show about the mixture of different ingredients, coconut cream, coconut milk, condensed milk, white rum, some spices. And you have in your more like in kind of your modern take of, of how you're doing Coquito, you have a special like liqueur that you're using to emulate some of the spice characteristics that you might get if you were celebrating Christmas in Puerto Rico. So what are you using for that? Yeah, so uh, we definitely still do the traditional sort of spice blend and are doing like a spice tea kind of with dry toasting the the whole spices, you know, and then cinnamon, allspice, all that, allspice, cloves, a little star Mm -hmm. anise, um, and then basically just like steeping that with water and making a tea, like a winter tea, essentially. Um, And then building the rest of the drink on that. But the kind of fun thing that sort of, I think, likens it a little more to eggnog, just in the the spice and kind of fun flavors of it, um, is this really bizarre liqueur that Varnelli makes um, that they call Fantasia. That's It's uh, kind of like a, a more spiced herby version of like a Swedish punch or something like that. Mm-hmm. A and spiced so, liqueur. Yeah. And it's, it's not spicy in the sense of like real 
you know, spice kind of, it's not like a fireball. <laughs> like an all, or like an all spice dram. Or an all spice It's dram more like elegant means. and. It's definitely, I mean, if, you know, I'm a, a big fan of the Varnelli Amaro line and they have, uh, you know, the Air Barista, which is the really intensely bitter, unfiltered, very like barky kind of um, Amaro. And then the Sabia, which is the kind of like baby sibling to that which is still really bitter but a little lighter and really good for cocktails and so this kind of takes that just like infusion of multiple multiple aromatics into something that's sippable in the vein of like a rum or a punch or a a spiritus sort of cordial very cool like a real intense version of it which is nice because it just adds a really neat sort of texture really brings out the spices and the spice tea kind of sort of formula in the coquito. And so it kind of just uh, amps up the, the traditional recipe from Shamil's family and makes it a little Delaney-esque. So Jess, you've got, we've got two, two recipes for coquito, one being dairy-free, one a little bit more classic. You want to start with the classic one? What's, what would be a good recipe that folks could try out if they wanted to make coquito? Yeah, as close to a traditional version as possible. Yeah, so I think the um, the classic recipe would basically be to take some, if you can find them, whole cloves, whole cinnamon sticks, whole star anise, and really kind of just steep them with all of these milks for a day or so, you know, and you can dry toast them if you want, but uh, and then add the the milks, but essentially one part coconut milk, which would be a can, like a 13 ounce can, one part coconut cream, and then one part sweet condensed milk, one part evaporated milk, and basically two parts rum. Mm -hmm. And if you find that, you can start with like one to one and a half part rum. And if you find it to be too strong or too weak, then you can always, you know, tweak the flavors based on that. Um, if you want it a little bit sweeter, add a little more sweetened condensed milk, you know, if you want it. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing is just build all those things together and uh, mix them really well. Let them steep for a day, you know, before you strain out all those spices. And then definitely um, when you serve it, you want to serve it really cold and you can put it on ice or just put it in frozen glasses and just zest a little bit of cinnamon or fresh nutmeg over the top. I made kind of vacation in a glass for 2020. Oh, it's like such. It's, I, <laughs> I, co- I be, I've been telling people at the restaurant that the Coquito is basically the really light island Christmas version of eggnog. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's like a holiday on the beach, and it's yeah, it's that, really, and that's really, why we're here. Yeah, it's really because we're not there. That's exactly. why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, and, so you've got a dairy-free version. <clears throat> Yeah, so the dairy-free version I did at my house um, is just to really focus, like kind of push the coconut milk and coconut cream with all the spices in the rum. Um, And so if you happen to have spiced rum laying around, you can just use that. But if you have an aged rum or rum with a little bit of color on it, that's what I think is ideal. Similar to doing... uh, like a hot toddy or uh, any kind of, you know, spices with, with cooking. Um, I mm-hmm. dry toast two whole cinnamon sticks, five whole allspice berries, and three whole cloves, and basically just like swirl in a saucepan, you know, over medium heat, and just kind of keep it swirling so they don't burn. And once you can smell the aromatics coming out, add a cup of water and keep that on low heat and just let it sort of steep just below a simmer for like 20 minutes or so. Um, And then while it's still warm, add about half a cup of sugar and you can do raw sugar or if you happen to have like a vanilla sugar or a spiced sugar or something like that, those are always fun things to add, but sort of melt that sugar um, and dissolve it in the water. So you're making kind of a less than a a one-to-one simple syrup Mm-hmm. but with all the spice flavor into it. And then basically start with about 12 ounces of rum mm-hmm. and then a can of coconut milk and a can of coconut cream. 
And if you want to add, if you have something like Varnelli or Swedish Punch and you want to add that little extra oomph to it, just a couple ounces of that to start. And then, of course, based on your taste, you can make it a little bit stronger. You can add a little bit more uh, sugar to it, you know, but and then basically I just let all that steep together with those whole spices and then strain it out the next day and serve it really cold. Zest a little bit of nutmeg or cinnamon over the top. Lovely. And people could also get some of those spices from, or the spice characteristics from like Angostura bitters. Oh, yeah. So we actually put, that was another thing we added at the restaurant was we did um, a little bit of actual, like I think a quarter ounce of Angostura bitters in the batch. It made me think of you with our, the drink that you made at the Holland house that had like a quarter ounce of Angostura in it. It was like was uh, yeah. the Habana Vieja. That's right. The Cuban cigar cocktail. <laughs> that was actually, Shamil talked about that. So Angostura makes a ton of sense. If you have that lying around the house, you can you can add that to, I mean, I've, I've always added it a little bit to uh, an eggnog recipe. Ang- Angostura is great because, yeah, this time of year, and this is a perfect segue because what does Christmas taste like? Well, it kind of tastes like Angostura. It kind of tastes, like tastes like spices. Yeah. It kind of tastes like sweetness. It tastes like pine trees. Yeah. So we're going to talk about spirits and a few different things that we've reached for when someone says, I want something that tastes like Christmas, or we've stumbled onto something where we're like, wow, that tastes like Christmas. Tastes like Christmas. We're going to start here. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about Angostura. Um, yeah. now Which that's, is funny because I always one. tell people when uh, they ask about Amaro, and I always say the Angostura Amaro tastes like Christmas. Oh God, that's a great one. That's not on our list, but it's not. But it's that good. would be, my... you know, I used a fair amount of that um, for the chopper eggnog last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Angostura Amaro. That's a good one to lean on. Yeah, if you need the the spice profile, the clove, the cinnamon, but one that we were going to talk about. Yeah, it 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 reminds people of Christmas trees. It has some Fraser fir in it. It has fresh bay that's grown uh, or that's foraged wild from the uh, right by the Pacific Ocean, St. George Terroir Gin. Yeah. In a world of its own. Amazing. Um, you've made some amazing cocktails with that. What what kind of cocktail would you suggest for uh, a gin a gin lover that, that wants to make something that tastes like Christmas? With the terroir, yeah. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, we talked about it a little, but the cool thing about that gin is, you know, it's distilled just south of Muir Woods, uh, north mm-hmm. of San Francisco. And so they actually, you know, take it up into the woods. And if you've ever had the pleasure of walking through there, it's literally just like eucalyptus and bay and pine and all these wonderful things that are flooding your senses. And the gin is kind of like that, you know. And so for me, doing any type of gimlet where you're combining that gin with a little bit of limey citrus and then really anything. I mean, we've done a fresh bay cordial. We've done Virginia pine cordials. Um, we just made a green apple cordial uh, at the restaurant with these really nice tart apples. And so it's kind of like walking through the forest and eating a little, you know, piece of apple pie at the same time. Whoa. <laughs> but I think, yeah, doing uh, that kind of, you know, little citrus with the gin just to bring out those bright green botanicals is, is really, really nice. I would even add, I think a St. George Terroir Christmas Gimlet would be amazing. Um, you could even add a little green chartreuse. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that would give you that kind of peppery spice backbone to it, mm-hmm. and make it quite intense. Yeah. Okay, here's another one that tastes like Christmas along these same lines, um, and we've mixed it in cocktails to great success and loved it. Douglas fir, Uda V, from the fine folks at Clear Creek, which I think is mm-hmm. becoming harder to find. Definitely. So if you if you happen to be out there buying spirits for the holidays and you see it pick it up you can do a lot of cool drinks with it it's just great this time of year you can stick it in the freezer and drink it that way you can make a cocktail with genipi but jess this stuff's fascinating they take the still out to the middle of nowhere yeah and distill the the douglas fir right there out 
in the woods by a campfire. Yeah. It's romantic. It's romantic. And I mean, it's where <laughs> where they are in Hood River, Oregon, you know, just uh, south of the border to Washington and surrounded by high desert and river and close to the beach. And, you know, it's just it's breathtaking to be there. So I can't even imagine. I mean, I'd love to have an internship going out there to help them make it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. But it's... Uh, you give them some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because it is. It's just so fresh. And you really... You know, there's so many spirits out there, unfortunately, that fall into that almost manufactured sort of flavor profile. And the beauty of this is it's so fresh and it's so light. And you really get the essence of being in the wilderness when you get to sip it because of the fact that they bring it out there and, and make it in that setting. So cool. And that's probably why there's, it's, it can be harder to find. It's hard to find and it's not cheap, but it's, if you can find it, I mean, they don't make very much of it at all. I mean, they're a small production for really everything they do. Um, but they make really delicious brandies and grappas and eau de vies and, and that small batch is, you know, kind of a lost art. And so it's really neat that they're able to still do it. And it, it, the Douglas fir is the eau de vie is something you could you could make like a martini with. Um, you could do because it's so strong. You can use like a quarter ounce. Yes. So you could do quarter ounce Douglas fir, dash of lemon bitters, three quarter ounce dry vermouth, two ounces of gin, and you'd have a a very Christmassy martini. So that that could be nice. You could even. As long as your Christmas tree isn't sp- sprayed with uh, flame retardant, which it might be if you got it at Home Depot or something, you could even slide a little Christmas tree garnish in there. Yes. What yeah. the hell? It's 2020. Yeah. Um, or call, another Mike, one. Now we've call done a, Mike Wolf oh, and ask him to take you foraging in Shelby Park and get some Virginia pine needles. Yeah, which I need to go get some more <laughs> soon because um, we're going to be using it for a fun project. Excellent. But... uh Another one, we've done a whole episode on this, but I know you've used it in cocktails. It's harder to find for y'all in Charleston. We did an entire episode about it last year. Zerbenz, the stone pine liqueur from the Alps. I think it's the one thing that really tastes exactly like Christmas because you get pine, tons of spice. It's sweet. Yeah. It's just incredible. And the, the texture of that one on its own is is much more intense than the Douglas fir. It's uh yeah, the the mm-hmm. Zerbenz is it's a it's a beast, but it's a beautiful beast. It's just like a little mystical creature. It is. It's like yeah. a mystical little elf <laughs> that just comes into our lives every once in a while and yeah. makes it better. Yeah. So my Zerbenz drink is a Zerbenz uh Rob Roy. So two ounces of scotch. Three quarter ounce of sweet vermouth, a quarter to a half ounce of Zerbenz, depending how much you like it. Um, you could even flip the ratio and do three quarter ounce Zerbenz, <laughs> quarter ounce sweet vermouth. But that's for the Zerbenz lover, and I'm talking to you, Patrick Halloran. Maybe a dash of Angostura, but that's that's a great Rob Roy variation. Jess, I know you've made some great Zerbenz cocktails in your day. What's your uh, Zerbenz co- cocktail going to be for Christmas? Yeah, so uh, I actually also would lean towards scotch. Um, although, if you wanted to do a little bit of mezcal instead, it would Ooh. be great. But uh, doing basically like a play on uh, something like a blood and sand. But instead of doing the cherry hearing, put a little Zerbenz in there with a little oh, bit of sweet yeah. vermouth and some orange and some citrus. Um, I really dig the pine, the smoke, the orange together. And you know that I love vermouth and anything absolutely possible. So I that's go, holiday. Yeah. That's super holiday. Yeah. What if you so did like do... Carpano <sighs> and Zerbenz and uh, yeah. like if you had really good, because it's just about citrus season, special orange season. So you could do like blood orange. Yes. Blood orange or Satsuma. Be... Yeah. Mm. So just like three quarters ounce of each. Do a little either scotch or mezcal, uh, sweet vermouth, zerbens, and a special sweet orange juice. That sounds incredible. Oh, now I'm thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, uh, you going to be cooking this year for Christmas? 
Oh, yeah. So our uh, new Christmas tradition is pork ragu. Mm. Um, that's been, yeah, the last few years. And so just basically starting it in the morning and letting it cook in a Dutch oven all day long. And of course, this year now we have to do gluten-free pasta, but we found some good fresh gluten-free pasta at the store. And so, but earlier in the day, we'll have cheese and champagne. And then I have some cool old Italian wine that I want to drink with the ragu. So Excellent. Yeah, a little bit, you know, Italians Italian wines are great for Christmas too. That's talk about tastes like Christmas. You get that like real kind of like bright, spicy acid thing with the fruit and it's kind of like, you know, cranberry sauce with a little of your uncle's boot dirt thrown in. <laughs> your uncle's boot dirt. I love it. <laughs> we're doing something similar. We're doing uh we're doing lasagna this year. Ooh. So that'll be good because, you know, that next day and into the afternoon can kind of dip back into it. Yes. Yeah. So and warming that... and comforting, right? Because mm-hmm. it's pretty cold there. It's yeah. cold in Nashville right now, isn't it? It's cold if you were like, since we're both from Colorado, it's all yeah. sliding scale. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us here today. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Always the good drinks. And uh, look forward to trying your Coquito at some point here soon and we'll be we'll be hitting hitting you back up here uh talking sparkling wine here in in just a few days and we'll be closing out the year with kenneth deadman with a bang yes you know for the bubbles episode he's gonna be like bringing out a white claw or something (laughs) i mean technically (laughs) that has bubbles yeah he's a big technicality guy so yeah i can't wait to see what he brings to the table i love you guys so much it's always great to uh to be a part of this special special thing that you do it's really amazing love you too and thanks for thanks for being here yeah happy holidays all right well that was amazing always love talking to jess and it would not be christmas if we didn't talk to kenneth claus himself let's get kenneth deadman on the line kenneth claus mr kenneth deadman the booze news anchor with the most good morning kenneth good morning mike how are you Doing pretty well. Merry Christmas, Mike. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas to our to our listeners. It's good to see you on the uh, video here. Yeah, good to see you, buddy. Cheers and our coffee together here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in Nashville, and um, it's good to be talking to you. You got any cool uh, Christmas eating, drinking traditions? For my family, for now, Christmas is kind of uh, different. <laughs> Different, probably going to just be dropping presents off outdoors in the sunlight and waving, waving through the window. I'll get my green bean casserole from my mother to go, which is Mm. kind of a a staple in our like uh, holidays. Like we do all kinds of different food, but the green bean casserole is always there. Oh, that's awesome. We did the green bean casserole with Jess for uh, our Thanksgiving episode. It was, uh, I don't know. Classic. It was like one of my favorite things growing up. And my mom kind of, you know, like, uh, oh, Kenneth's coming over. We got to make some green bean casserole. She always has it like frozen beans in the the freezer ready to go. She's always got everything. Like she could have it banged out and in the oven. 45 minutes. It's coming out. She's she's on it. Other than that, I guess I'm going to just relax. Yeah, just stay up watching movies. Yeah, you uh I mean That's what I'll be doing. Yeah, you have you have two kids, so they're gonna be jumping on your bed at five AM or something like is that is that how it goes? Um that's how it was when I was a kid. Probably. Yeah. So my parents You just have to listen for any slight sound of the kids walking around so we can block them off from uh running to the tree. You ever noticed, uh, like, in every Christmas movie, it seems like when it's Christmas morning and the kids are running towards the tree, the parents are in the background, of course, getting out of bed, and they're always, like, fumbling with their robe, like, getting, get, putting their robe on right, like, fumbling with their yep. robe. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll, every, that'll be me, for sure. Every Christmas movie, I swear. All right, cool. you ready to do booze news? Yes. This is Cha cha cha! Oh, shit. 
Booze News with Kenneth Deadman. Holiday edition. It's Christmas time. Is there smoke in the chimney? I'm definitely going to drink wine on Christmas. Uh, I always drink wine on Christmas. A lot of gamay in a coffee cup. Celebration time. Yep. And What's boozeworthy out there in the world, speaking, Mr. Kenneth Deadman? Speaking of wine, in Rainesville, Alabama, population 5,000, the DeKalb Sheriff's Department uh, got an got a anonymous tip to an illegal um, wine production operation in um, the city's water treatment plant, or what... What, what the local news is calling the sewage plant, um, but it's a water treatment plant. Big deal. Wow. You know what? Like, I thought it was brilliant. Um, it was a small operation. They only found um, about one, 100 gallons. That was fermenting. So it wasn't even, like, pressed or fined. Don't know how much, like, it would have, like... 100 gallons is about two and a half big trash cans. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's not a lot. And Nope. But if you're looking to do it, this is not a bad place to do it. Like uh you've got all of this equipment. You get clean clean water. You got all these natural yeasts floating around. Um, Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> this made freaking international news and it wasn't shit cuz these people in Rainsville are fucking bored. Moving on. Celebrity chef and um, unlikely, unlikely hero to uh, indus- service industry professionals. I think that's probably a good way of putting it, and we can get into that later. Guy Fieri. Nice. Is launching a new tequila line. Yes. Love Guy Fieri. With rock and roll legend Sammy Hagar. That's right. Sammy Hagar is back in business. Wonder uh, if he had like a two year non compete or something. Um yeah, I was wondering about that. Of course, uh so Sammy Hagar um started and eventually sold Cabo Wabo tequila to Campari. And that wasn't really that long ago. I wanna say it was just like three or four years ago, maybe lo- do you know Mike? No? Um, I don't know. I just know Sammy Hagar said, hey, it's your tomorrow. But hey, yeah. That's one of his lines. It's your tomorrow. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, you can start a competing tequila company if you partner with a freak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Santo Tequila um, by Guy Fieri and Sammy Hagar brings back Master Distiller um, Juan Eduardo, Eduardo Nunez, who was the, um, the original master distiller at, at Cabo Wabo. So he's back with the same group doing the same thing. Interesting shit. Um, Guy Fieri used to freak me out, but these days, uh, in the meat of the pandemic, he's done nothing but great things for the service industry. He's been out there uh, fighting and raising awareness f- for um, furloughed and unemployed uh, workers. He does a lot for the community. Really impressive. I can uh, what he does. I can I can get behind. I can I can get behind him. I mean, well, he's so mockable. He still has the hair, you know. And and I think that um, one thing I think he's proven over the decades is. With the hair thing or, you know, the way it goes with trends, if you stick with something long enough, it's going to come back around. Because I feel like he's been doing the frosted tips for so long, and now his hair hair is just frosted all the way. Yeah, it kind of... And that's probably going to be coming back, like, next year, year after. He'll have sort of pioneered it again. But, you know, if if you believe in a trend and you stick with it, it comes back around again. Bell bottoms, tight jeans, loose jeans. You know, loose jeans are back. Loose jeans, yeah. Loose jeans, yeah. You just got to stick with what you know. Stick with what you love, and it'll come back around. Some fashion corner for today. I'm going to get out my starter jacket then. Yeah. Oh, God. They're all the way back. <laughs> yeah. 
in Russia, the um, the the COVID nineteen vaccine, it's called Sputnik Five, and wow. Vladimir uh, supposedly Vladimir Putin gave it to his daughter first, like she was the first Russian to receive it. Pretty crazy. Wow. That's admirable. So as as they're rolling it out, um, apparently they're equivalent to the Surgeon General is asking Russians to abstain from alcohol for over 40 days, right around 42 days is, is, uh, is what they're saying. Uh, Russia is considered one of the heaviest drinking countries in the world. I have no idea um, at what point they will all get their vaccine, but I have no idea what the Russian people are gonna do for 40 days without drinking probably hack i just don't see it probably happening. just hack, no. hack into our our infrastructure and fuck fuck things up hack into our bloodstreams to get the alcohol they got all it. they got all kinds of time for it like they could they could figure out all kinds of fucking weird hacks i bet they figure something out like frozen vodka doesn't count you know that kind of thing like oh well frozen uh, vodka that just kind of cleanses your organs so yeah well yeah I, that's fine if i drop it into my eyes i'm not really yeah, drinking it they're not they're not going 40 days no way well but hey best of luck to yeah them. yeah good luck good luck guys uh, we admire your food and your drink <laughs> food what 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 do russians eat dude like a hot borscht type of dish mm-hmm. um stews rabbit 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 and carrot I, I think of it as like rustic stews and rabbits and paired with frozen vodka you know they got nice caviar over there. Oh yeah, do they do whaling? Not sure. Probably. All right, we're gonna close this out. Um, Barton Distillery, known for the name, the brand Barton, uh, 1792, owned by Sazerac Company, um, which is a high rye mash bill for the most part, has announced their premium spirits line. Pretty cool. Named after the company's founder, uh, Tom Moore. Thomas S. Moore. What's your middle name, Kenneth? Kenneth Patrick. So if you had a, if you had an, I think you have to like fancify your name when you're doing like an antique collection whiskey version of it. So you would be the Kenneth P. Deadman series. That'd be good. Or Kenny P. Mine would be the the James Michael Wolf series. Could have that, um, what's the, uh, the cartoon character that's like peeing on a Ford, like a Ford symbol. Calvin? Is it, you know what I'm talking about? The bumper yeah, sticker? Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have a label like that. I don't know what I'd be peeing on. Something interesting. Yeah, how, that's very, that's, that, isn't that American? That was, we should, when we saw all that, that was like a precursor to the political polarization. You know, it's like, let's pee on each other's car logos and put it on our bumper sticker and put it on our car. I pee on your Ford, you pee on my Chevy. I think I would actually have. How fucking stupid is that? I think I'd have a bunch of stuff like, why, why just choose like a Chevrolet symbol or a Ford symbol? Why not like be more creative and have more things, you know, like. You're still (laughs) on the antique thing. Yeah. Um. I was just adding filler. Uh, <laughs> the Kenneth Speaking P. Dead filler, series. I'm going to fill this bottle up with signature high rye uh, bourbon. Um, mm. The first release uh, will be finished in port barrels. The second release will be Chardonnay barrels. Chardonnay barrels are getting pretty popular. Everyone's fucking grabbing Chardonnay barrels. I don't know why, but it's a thing. The Leopold brothers are doing that with their Fernet. Um, we discussed that, and uh, Cab Sov finish as well. They're coming in, not coming in too hot, uh, just shy of a uh, hundred. But the price points there, they're right around seventy dollars. I'll probably check them out. I'll, I definitely will so at some point have a taste of them. Of course, the Barton Distillery is has been making news in the last couple of years, uh, pretty much just due to horrible maintenance issues um 2018 one of their rick houses collapsed right into the river Six thousand barrels were lost That's, that was a business story I that remember. was a big one um followed up not a year later they spilled 
something like a hundred gallons of um, fresh distillate on, on, leaked leaked on leaked loose on the property. So to put that in perspective, the um, the Rick House collapse was right around six thousand gallons, but the leak, a completely separate incident, was one hundred thousand gallons. It's insane. So they've had some problems over there. They are still battling it out in court as far as uh it's i don't think it's a matter of whether they're gonna uh pay a bunch of fines but uh when and how much will eventually be decided by a crooked kentucky judge slid that in there (laughs) (laughs) um but uh just last week um here's some good news uh the barton distillery donated forty thousand dollars to um Local uh, Bardstown organizations, the $40,000 will be split amongst uh, the African American Heritage Museum of Bardstown, Nelson County. It's pretty cool. Uh, The Bardstown uh, City Park, uh, Bread for Life Food Pantry, and Fine Arts Bardstown Society. So we're trying to turn a corner here. I wonder if they can write that off and just... You know, like kind of like shave it off of whatever fine that they're gonna have. I'd, that's what I do. That's smart. That's that's how Trump would do it. Write it off. Shave it off. Shave it down. Write it off. Yeah, yeah. Fold it off. Lay them off. Burn it. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn it down. Oh no. They're like, wait, no, 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 not that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got this week. Um, Very cool. So um, uh, we're gonna try to to do. Sparkling wine, the three of us together. I wonder if they have box sparkling wine. Will you please? Oh my God! Will you look into that? That's hilarious. Yeah. I want to. I want to hear that someone's at least tried it. Like or with, you know, like those little Heineken kegerator things. I don't know, like eighteen beers, but they come with a little pump thing. Yeah. Or mag. I guess it's just a mag. Mags for maga. Whoa. <laughs> That's a new, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've, we've lit the one. match. Thanks everyone for listening today. Thanks to Upright T-Rex Music for the tunes. Jess Matchin for the logo. Thank you so much to producer Michael Eads and everyone over at We Own This Town. Check out all the podcasts they've got going on over at We Own This Town. There's a new podcast they've got called Let's Face the Music, where they talk about standards, It's basically the stories behind the standards of the Great American Songbook. Been really enjoying that podcast on We Own This Town. Obviously, the We Own This Town music show. Check that one out. And San Dimas Today, which had an incredible interview with Alex Winter himself, who has become a documentarian and and just a very talented director. Lots to find for all your holiday listening over at We Own This Town. My name is Mike Wolf for my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman and Jessica Backus. We'll see you next week drinking sparkling wine right here on Liquid Gold. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Cheers, everybody.